Happy New Year, loyal listeners. 2022 is come and gone, and 2023 is upon us. And I got to tell you, I've been hearing people saying it. Uh, My dad, our bishop, said it this past Sunday. I'm feeling it too. And that is, we've got more about the future on our mind than the past. I'm not really hearing a whole lot of people talk about their 2022. Everybody, everybody is talking about their 2023. So I think that is a good sign. So I hope you're feeling optimistic about this year. I am. And I'm excited about what God is going to do through the Justin C. Gleason podcast. So this past New Year's Eve, I, I didn't go to a party. Uh, we <laughs> Christmas, we took a little vacation. And to be honest with you, I was kind of sort of partied and, and hanging out and fellowshipping out. So we just stayed home. And um, I wanted to just kind of tune in and see what the world was feeling and saying and what its hopes were for 2023. And I got to tell you, New Year's New Year's Eve media the past several years has been uh, a disaster, really something to endure. I don't know what's going on. Maybe <laughs> the hangover finally kicked in and just uh, the media <laughs> for New Year's Eve is, is, just, is I, I don't know, nobody's sharp anymore. But yeah, the the music is, is, a, is terrible. The comedians are terrible. Uh, everything is just weird. I, I, I don't I don't get it. It's so I, I am I'm not watching it anymore. I'm I'm done. So this was the last year for New Year's Eve media. I'm not doing it anymore. But not always lost. I did see something that I found to be somewhat interesting. One of these uh, news reporters, journalists, whatever, was going around with a microphone and a camera and asking people, what do you want to do in 2023? I probably saw about, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 interviews. They were just real quick, you know, random people. And some people said, get healthier. Some people said, get a new job. Some people said, uh, you know, more time with family and friends, this or that and the other. Everybody had something different, but a, a common New Year's resolution for this year that I thought was so bizarre that I heard from almost everybody, you know what they were saying? Get rid of toxic people in 2023. Get rid of toxic people <laughs> in 2023. Some were saying my boyfriend. Some were saying my girlfriend. Some were saying even my mom. And the people that actually called out the toxic person in their life, it was uh, somebody close to them, like a family member or boyfriend or girlfriend. And I just got to thinking, are there people in the church that are kind of feeling that way? There's toxic people in their life and they've just had enough and they're (laughs) ready to put it on the resolution. Eliminate he, eliminate she, eliminate this person, eliminate that person. And I just got to thinking and feeling there's a real need, I think, for this out there, how to understand toxic people, toxic situations. Because you want to really know the answer. You really can't get rid of them legally. That is probably the only best thing you can do is run away. Can't force them to leave. You have to leave is sort of the situation there. And I just feel like a lot of us in the early part of 2023, you know what we need? We need to hear the voice of God. We need to hear the voice of God for direction. 
where to go, where not to go, where to come back to, where to go to, how to live, where to live, and who to be around, and what to do. Because I tell you, when you start really getting in the thick of it, in confrontation with people, unless you've heard from the Lord, you could really set yourself up for a disastrous setback, let me tell you. We need to hear from God, especially when we're in a faraway place. When we're running, when we're hiding, when we're trying to protect ourselves, when we're trying to isolate. And that's been a big thing, you know, since uh, the springtime of 2020. A lot of people have isolated. A lot of people, uh, friendships were uh, ruined. A lot of people uh, completely changed the scenery of their life for the worse. And I believe God is calling us in 2023 to get back to the center of it all and keep ministry going keep the spirit of God flowing through our lives and reach this world. You're listening to Justin C. Gleason, the media home of God, Bible, and church. Give an offering for the work of this content through Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo at Justin C. Gleason. Galatians chapter 6 says, Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. He who sows to the spirit will reap everlasting life. If you want what is taught in this episode to be active in your life, then I invite you to give what the Lord says to give. Thank you for your generosity. God bless you. So I'm calling out to you who feel like you're in a faraway place right now in the beginning of 2023. And I can think of no better Bible character, Bible story, and the story of the prophet Elijah. You see, God raised him up to be a voice of righteousness. That's really what a prophet is. Sure, you know, they uh, you know tell the future and they can foresee the past, but ultimately, they are proclaimers of the truth. That's what a prophet or a prophetess does. They stand up for what is truth and what is truth. Well, God is truth. What he says is truth. That's the truth. They get people back to heavenly reality. And King Ahab and his wife Jezebel had allowed false prophets to take control of the um, religious influence of the land of Israel, the land of God, the people of God, the called out chosen people, right? And so these false prophets were preaching and teaching the heresies of Baal, the Zidonian God, the Canaanite God, all of them that worship this uh, sun deity. Well, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 13, a chapter that Elijah would have been very familiar with, it says in there, you shall not permit a false prophet to live. You kill him. You do away with him. Elijah would have known that. And so seeing this all throughout the land calls out to the Lord, earnestly prays that it won't rain for three and a half years because those were one of that, not raining, a big drought was one of the things God said in Deuteronomy that would come to get people's attention back to the Lord. And that's what Elijah wanted, to get people's attention back to God. So that's what happened. Uh, For three and a half years, it didn't rain. And uh, that didn't get Israel's attention. So Elijah had a showdown with the prophets. Let's see who can answer by fire, your son God or my God who made the sun. Sure enough, the false prophets get up and jump on that altar, start cutting themselves, doing all of their witchcraft and their rituals to try to get Baal's attention. And Elijah's over there laughing. Where's your God? You know, is he, is he going on vacation? Is he taking a nap? 
Is he on the pot relieving himself or whatever? <laughs> I don't know. But I'm sure he probably said something like that. But uh, Elijah gets up there, calls on the Lord, prays a simple prayer, and boom, the fire is lit up. And after that, kills those false prophets as commanded in the old covenant. Now, the new covenant, we don't do that. Uh, it's We're under a different law, the law of grace. It's not the threat of death that causes one to repent but the threat of the possibility of eternal judgment, eternal condemnation in outer darkness, spending eternity in the lake of fire. But there is grace now for you to repent because of what Christ did on the cross. That is our message, okay? But in that time, in Elijah's time, you eliminated the false prophets. He, had, he lawfully did it. Well, Jezebel threatens his life. Something I noticed, I, one thing that I love, one of my favorite tools to use is a concordance. And I just typed the name in Jezebel. I counted how many, I looked, started looking at the places that her name is mentioned to try to just gather information for content. And I counted up her name, at least in the New King James Version. You know how many times her name is mentioned in the Bible? 23 times. Oh yeah, it's there. How about that? Here we are in 2023 and we got 23 times Jezebel's in the Bible. She's there 23 times throughout the Bible. How about that for 2023? <laughs> Maybe that's what we're up against in 2023. That spirit of Jezebel. So, yeah, she was um, a leading woman, a very, very influential woman, not submitted to her husband. Her husband was submitted to her. <laughs> she was the decision maker. I, it's totally a woke environment. <laughs> back then and there you know you, th you think sometimes our world is totally different than the bible uh-uh not much different uh, about the only difference is uh, an, an iphone <laughs> that's about it but uh, so all the prophets are slain and she threatens elijah this is elijah the man who could call down fire from heaven who could stop rain up in heaven who slew hundreds of false prophets and one little woman, very power hungry, a woman of leadership, a woman of power, a woman of authority through all her Baal worship, <laughs> threatens him. You would think Elijah would have struck her down. You think Elijah, with all his past victories, would have just uh, annihilated her. No. Shockingly, he runs. You got to wonder, why did he run? Now, remember, Elijah's a prophet. They stand up for what is true. They stand up for the word of God. They live by the word of God day in and day out. The word of God is a greater authority than his will or his way or how he would like to have it. You know what Elijah knew? He could not touch the Lord's anointed. Right? Who is Ahab? He's the king. Marriage brings people together so they are no longer two, but one flesh. So to harm Jezebel would have meant that Elijah would have harmed the Lord's anointed. That's how powerful marriage is. Even if it's a person who is under the covenant of God, who marries a pagan person or an unbeliever, it is still honorable. It's not God's will. It's not God's way. But it's just the condition of life, the condition of the law and order of what God has set up in this world. So Ahab and Jezebel were one flesh. 
I mean, think about this. You know, you had Moses. He had an Ethiopian wife. It was, uh, oh, I don't have time to get into it, but I should get into it. <laughs> Moses, apparently, before he was called to be a prophet and a leader of Israel, had married an Ethiopian wife as a, um, it was kind of like a peace agreement between Egypt and Ethiopia. And Miriam uh, did not like it. She wasn't having it. She didn't think that's how marriage should be. You know, a marriage like that a long time ago before uh, God sent the plagues upon Egypt and before the Red Sea and all of that. She thought that that uh, marriage would cause trouble for the people and in the land. It wasn't married for, for love. It wasn't married for this or that or the other. You know, it was a politically arranged marriage. Well, it was still a marriage. So Miriam complains about that. Look what happened to her. Leprosy. So Elijah, a man of God, knowing the word, knowing the Bible, knowing all of this, this is why he ran. He's probably worried he would get leprosy. <laughs> he was probably worried he would get struck dead by God because you were not to touch the Lord's anointing. And so, and then also you have Exodus 22, verse 28. It says, uh, you will not revile God, nor shall you put a curse on the ruler of your people. So Elijah can't fight back. He can't fight Jezebel. He can't fight Ahab. He could fight the false prophets lawfully, but he can't fight the king and his queen. He can't by the law of God. So if you can't fight, what do you do? Flight. <laughs> can't fight, flight. And I feel like there's a lot of people, I know I've been in, in a place like this, you feel frustrated when you can't fight back. I have been there many times in my life with people that oppose me. And looking at him, I know that I can't fight back because in a way they're above me. In a way they have their own territory, in a way they have their own ground and turf that I can't step on and about the only thing I can do is stand my ground or back up. Can't do anything to try to destroy them or what they have. And it's wise, but it's very frustrating. So what do you do? You run. And that is what Elisha did. Went to a far, far away place from where the Lord had positioned him. A far, far away place, a 40-day journey out into the wilderness. And he's there on that great mountain, the mountain of the Lord, and in that cave. And God appears to him and asks him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? That's what God is interested in. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's, it is about what you believe. It's about your faith. But really, God demands action. What are you doing? Well, the answer was absolutely nothing. He's hiding. But he goes into a nice, elaborate explanation <laughs> to God. You know, every, everybody's forsaken you, Lord. And I've been very zealous, but my life is threatened, and here I am. And God is saying, what are you doing? He's doing absolutely nothing. He was a prophet locked away in that cave. It's not very useful to the Lord. You know what's going on there? I think Elijah is trying to follow somewhat in his own way the footsteps of his forefather Moses. I have a, a theory, just a Bible theory, that Elijah went to the same mountain that Moses was on to hear from God, to receive direction, to receive the law, all of that, the great mountain of God. You know, Elijah had been fasting for 40 days. Moses fasted 40 days. Up there on that mountain, probably the same mountain. And a mountain's a great place to get a hold of God. There's no food up on the mountain. There's no water on the mountain. There's really no, nowhere to sin on the mountain. It's an isolated place, free of distractions. 
You want to get a hold of God? Literally get to a high place. That's why I love our church here, our local church, the Life Church of Kansas City. It's on a mountain. <laughs> I call it View High Mountain because we're off View High Drive. And it's the highest point in Kansas City proper. Now, there's other higher points in some of the suburbs around here, but in Kansas City proper, it is the highest point. When I pray on this mountain, I like to feel that way, getting in touch with God on a mountain. But uh, yeah, Moses heard from God. You know, God manifested in great wind on that mountain and great earthquakes and great fire. And all of Israel beheld it and saw it. And it was amazing. But when Elijah's on that mountain and God starts questioning him, what are you doing here? Something totally different happens. Bible says a great wind passed by and God wasn't in it. A great earthquake shook that mountain. God wasn't in it. A great fire then came by and God wasn't in it. How about that? I think that's what Elijah wanted. He wanted to feel and see what Moses saw. To have that same experience. You know, Moses then went and, and threw the Ten Commandments down and they ended up slaying all the idol worshipers. And there's other stories being around that mountain where great judgment happened. I think that's what Elijah wanted. To somehow get permission from God, some sign from God, some direct word from God. Permission to go and to slay Jezebel, to cut off her head. To completely annihilate Ahab and all his kingdom. God didn't do that. He wasn't in the wind, the earthquake and the fire. Oh, no. He appeared in a small voice. I think a lot of us are like that. <laughs> we want the wind, the earthquake and the fire. But God is wondering, would you rather have my voice? <laughs> would you rather have the great wind, the great earthquake, the great fire, the great shaking, the great moving, the great power, the great judgment? Would you rather just simply have some direction through a still small voice? Mm. Man, that's what I'm feeling in 2023. It's not the moving, it's not the shaking, it's not the might, it's not the power, but it is by God's Holy Spirit. It is by God's holy voice. Praise the Lord. You know, as Pentecostals, especially those of us that may have come out of the denominal world. See, I grew up Pentecostal. I grew up with loud music. I grew up with fast worship. I grew up with loud preaching. I grew up with powerful altar calls. This is all I've ever known. Some of you that came out of the denominal world, it was so amazing that, uh, you know, you didn't have to sit still in church, but you could move and express your love and your heart to God. I like that, and I never want that to go away. But if we're not careful... We can get to the place where we think God can only move when it's loud. God can only move when there's great wind. God can only, you know, move when the pews are shaking. God can only move when that fire is falling, right? I think that's why a lot of us struggle with personal devotion with God. We don't have personal prayer time because we don't think God can move when it's quiet and it's just us. God is calling out to us right now who are in a faraway place. That you need to open up your ears for a still, small voice. Not a voice that's moving and rumbling, but a voice that is just very conversational. Think about this. When you talk to somebody, do you yell and scream at them like you're in church? 
When you're just talking to somebody, having dinner or coffee, like, praise the Lord, huh? So nice to see you. Yes, Lord. Now, there are some people that talk like that at the dinner table, and I get up and leave. I I can't fellowship with that. It's so fake. (laughs) It's so artificial. I can't deal with it. (laughs) And uh, no, I don't get up and walk out. I, I endure it. But I just like normal conversation. And God wants to talk to us that way in normal conversation. You don't yell at somebody when you're talking to them. You have a normal conversation. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to ask you, what are you doing here? And a lot of you, your answer is, I've done this, I've done that. And I've been rejected. I'm the only one here. I'm the only one in my youth group. I'm the only one in my hyphen group. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. God. And the Lord is saying, how long will you hang out alone in your basement? How long will you hang out alone in the corner of the library? It's time for you to get up and on your way, do something for me. You don't need that fire. You don't need that earthquake. You don't need that big fast wind. You need the voice of God to question you and to direct you on where to go. I remember in um, the late 2000s, 2007, 8, 9, those were really dark years for me. And, uh, and they're dark years for everybody, you know, that's kind of in, in that between that 25 and 30 gap, you know, you realize you're not young, cool and hip anymore. You're, you're knocking on the door of 30 and, you know, by then you've figured out who you are, but you have no idea where you're going or what you want to do. Everybody is there. Everybody should be there. Everybody should go through that. And I realized I needed to start making decisions and putting better habits into my life if I ever wanted to do something for God. But I just really didn't know where I was going. And I had a lot of ideas in my mind of what I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. But a lot of them were coming from my flesh and coming from a demon, to be honest with you. But the will of God was sitting there plain as day (laughs) in front of me what I was supposed to be. And that was to pursue pastoral ministry. I was a youth pastor at that time and God was moving upon me to stay in it and stay with it. To be here in Kansas City. And uh, my mother uh, really helped me to um, see that. And also uh, my girlfriend, who I (laughs) later married, Sister G, Anna, she really helped me see that. They both did, very instrumental in that. But I remember I was struggling because if you're a youth pastor, you know what I'm talking about. Um, A lot of parents out there are just so scared and worried about their child's spirituality And so they sort of take it out on you. I remember one time we had a struggling kid in the youth group. He didn't want to come to youth group. He didn't have any friends. And so the mom was really worried and put out about it. And so I went over to their house to talk to them. I walk in the living room. And I look up and on the left side of that wall, right in the hallway, I see a dream catcher. I'm like, red flag right there. I, uh, I, I, oh, by the way, when I was out on the front porch, I look and I saw a bunch of cigarette butts in an ashtray <laughs> walk in the house kind of smells like smoke. You know, I come in the living room and, and this is 2008, 2009. This is before, uh, Netflix and a lot of streaming and stuff. And I look up on their wall and there's this massive TV and I look at all these DVDs and I don't see anything wholesome. I just start reading the titles while I'm sitting there. And all I see is rated R, rated R, rated R, rated R, rated R. And whoa, I saw one. It looked very pornographic in the title. <laughs> and so this mom 
comes in. The son is there. He gets up and leaves and goes to his room. He doesn't even want to talk. And the mom sits there and complains to me about all these kids in the youth group and all the problems in the church and all of this and that and the other. And I'm sitting there looking at this uh, crazy, to be honest, the kid had a crazy mother, poor kid. I don't know where he's at to this day. Had a crazy mother. And she uh, she's telling me what's wrong with me and this and that and why the kid's not in church. And I said to this lady, I said, lady, you've been in Pentecost a long time. Are those your cigarettes out there? She said, yeah, but there's nothing in the Bible about smoking. I said, well, I'm not going to debate that with you. It's your house. It's your rules. It's your ways. But you know our church does not smoke. We don't condone that. We got rid of that. Years ago, the holiness movement, we took a stand and we wouldn't smoke. So I know you got your own convictions, but if you want your son to be a part of our youth group and a part of this church, how do you expect him to do that? When you've got a divided opinion and you're not submitted to spiritual authority, you're not on the same page with us. Can't you walk together unless they be agreed? And she went silent and just looked at me. I said, that dream catcher up there, I, I know it's a part of your ancestral, cultural, whatever. I, I, I said, it's, it's not about that. I said, those things attract demons. I feel demons in your house right now. Those things were not designed to catch your dreams, but to attract demons for their power to move in your sleep. Who she started getting offended. I'm telling you, I've seen it. You got a, a dream catcher in your home. You got a demon in your home. I'm just telling you, that's how it is. I'll preach it as long as I feel it. And I said, look at all these DVDs here. I said, look at this stuff. I said, do you think this want to make this is going to make your kid come to God? I basically told her, you are a hypocrite, lady. Your spirituality is nothing but an act. You act one way at church, but then when you're here in your home, it is nothing but the world. How do you expect your kid to want to live like that? Not everybody's attracted to that kind of spirituality. And usually the parents that cause the most problems in a children's ministry or youth ministry, they got sin in their life. <laughs> They're double-minded, very unstable in all their ways. And you can't expect your kids to get spiritual when you yourself are carnal. And I know she goes home and trashes the church and me and everybody, you know, to her son. Do you think he wants to go to church like that? So uh, it was only about uh, maybe a month or a month and a half. She quit coming to church. He quit coming to church. And <laughs> maybe I should have just loved on her. Maybe I should have just cared for her. Maybe I should have just agreed with her and loved on the kid. But I, I just wasn't doing it. I wasn't having it. I just, I, I was sick of not being able to fight back. And I just fought back with the truth. And you know what? After that, our youth group started popping. It started growing. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what happened to Israel. After Elijah got out of that cave, went and anointed Elisha, went and talked to a new king, went and did this and that, Israel started having a big turnaround. And I'm telling you, somebody, you're in a faraway place. You haven't sinned, but you've just kind of went in a faraway place to hide, to protect yourself. And the voice of God is calling out to you, what are you doing? Get up, get back to it, get after it. Keep preaching, keep teaching. Let the voice of God guide your life. And if you're in a place where you can't fight back, just stand your ground. Tell the truth. I love the truth. The truth will make you free. It really will. 
And I know people say, tell the truth in love, tell the truth in love, tell the truth in love. And I just say, tell the truth. I think tell the truth in love is code for lie. Tell the truth in love is code for beat around the bush. (laughs) That's what tell the truth in love means. I say, tell the truth with hope. Tell the truth with hope. That's a better point there. I told that mom and I had that son come out of the room. I sat down and talked to him. I just said, look, man, I like you. You're a cool kid. You don't need to make friends. You don't need to worry about your social status. You stick by me. And he kind of listened, but he just, I don't know. He was a very disturbed kid. He had a disturbed mother. And something uh, Pastor Josh Herring said at our church last year, he said, people who are offended at a pastor, they're offended at their father. People who are offended at the church, they're offended at their mother. (laughs) Was that a revelation or what? Very, very true. And I've seen that. So we're dealing with a lot of emotions here, a lot of um, odd ways of thinking with people, but um, you know, Elijah thought he was alone, but God said, oh no, I've got a lot of prophets <laughs> ready to go that you don't even know about. And I pray this year in 2023, we will meet people that we never knew existed, that have the same heart for God that we do, the same passion for God that we do. Maybe the Lord wants to give you a new change of scenery this year, especially in your friends. Get rid of those toxic people in your life and start making new and good friends. God bless you. May you hear from the Lord in a far, far away place. The Justin C. Gleason podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Please leave a five-star rating and a great review. Contact me at justincgleason at gmail.com. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Justin C. Gleason and share this episode with your friends. We're taking the genre of religion and spirituality to another level. I was um, scrolling through some YouTube the other day and this commercial came up out of nowhere. And I couldn't help but watch it because I'd never seen anything like this in media. And it was a advertisement for a astral projection program. An astral projection opportunity to buy products to learn how to astral project. And I just, my jaw dropped. I couldn't believe it. First of all, the commercial was very well made. And this guy talking, dressed, his voice, everything looked as normal and as natural as can be. You know, normally, that stuff, you get like a pyramid with an eye on it, or you get some kind of weird-looking New Age graphic. And they're really trying to advertise, okay, this this is supposed to look really, really New Age and really, really witchcrafty. Not this one. It was a lot of graphics of you're moving in space and you see stars and you see creation and you see the earth and you see nature. And the whole selling point of this astral projection stuff was explore the universe. See into areas you thought were never possible. Get to know the world around you. (laughs) I've never astral projected. I will never do that. I remember, remember when I was a youth pastor hearing some people talk about it. And the Holy Ghost just like turned inside of me and I knew God is not in it. And what what it is, you essentially, um, I know there's differences of opinion about this, how it is, but 
The way I understand it is you get your soul out of your body. You get your spirit out of your body. You have an out-of-body experience. The pagans, witches, New Age people, they've been doing it for forever. It's, it's not anything new, but the way it's displayed is new. Uh, the method of advertising it is now new. The talking points about it, explaining it, but that's what you do. You get your soul and spirit out of your body, witches have been doing it forever. And it's very real. It's, it's a demonic practice. Uh, forbidden by scripture. And so I don't want any of you to be deceived, you know, because they talk about it as a spiritual experience and getting in touch with the world. And, you know, a lot of people nowadays want to go explore and travel, you know, go on a missions trip, right? I want to go find myself by exploring, going far away. Well, that's what Elijah didn't. God said, get back, get back to where I called you. <laughs> Stop trying to find yourself, find me. So, you know, Satan is the prince and power of the air. And when you astral project, you're getting into Satan's air. Okay? Contrary to popular opinion and teaching, Satan is not in hell right now bound up with chains. That doesn't happen until the second coming of Christ. Satan is alive. He's active. And there's a lot of principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. The spirit world is still real. Astral projecting is not going to get you close to the Lord. It's not going to get you close to angels. It's not going to get you close to heaven. It's going to get you close to the demonic spirit world and closer to hell. Okay? You're going to open yourself up for full demon possession. So maybe you've seen that ad. Maybe you're, you're seeing that around. I don't know how I get these ads. I, just, it, I mean, they're just throwing it out there. And I'm, I'm just, I've had enough. That's why I like podcasting. <laughs> Nothing visual about it. I get to use my own imagination hearing people talk. I just love it. And people are getting into this new age stuff. And we've got something better, something further and farther than the prince of power of the air, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ, the only one, the greatest one in heaven, a name above every name, a spirit above every spirit. And that's what you want to have. You want to talk about out-of-body experience. Oh, he will make your spirit alive, greater, more powerful than any demonic spirit ever would. That I can tell you, believe me. So, uh, have you noticed that all of a sudden prayer is now cool in the NFL? <laughs> it used to be, uh, you know, they were banning guys from praying and kneeling and worshiping the Lord. You know, that's, you know, that's not cool. And, I, you know, I've, I've, I've read a lot of uh, our founding American documents. You know, it, it talks about freedom of religion. It's not freedom from religion. It's freedom of religion, meaning you have the right to practice your religion. But I guess it's now like socially acceptable uh, to to call that out and saying you can't pray in schools. You can't pray on the field. You can't pray in public. You can't pray. You can't pray. Uh, is, it, <laughs> is the old hammer and sickle now on our flag in America? Are we now communist? Last I check, it's a free country. You can pray. But it got to be, you could only kneel on the NFL field to uh, the protest the anthem. Okay, thankfully, we're kind of beyond that. I don't know if any guys are still doing that. Yeah, don't take a knee for that. Get up on your feet and respect the, the, the great sacrifice that our forefathers did so we could have a country, so we can have some football. Please, thank you very much. But now, since uh, DeMar Hamlin, that uh, horrible accident, uh, horrible injury, just, uh, man... It just yeah, what, what do you say? And as of this recording, there there still isn't a lot of whole news about exactly what happened. I'm hearing a lot of opinions. Some are some are saying um, 
that there is a certain um, when your heart is beating on rhythm and if you get hit in your heart at a certain point in the rhythm, it could, it could put you into cardiac arrest. I'm hearing that. Some are blaming the COVID vaccine for this. I, I really don't know. I'm sure we'll all find out. But the thing that is just that I'm just like looking at on my jaws dropping, all those guys getting down and praying. I loved that. I loved seeing that. And some people were even praying on on and um, some of the, the sports newsrooms. I, I just love that. It just goes to show when there's pain and suffering and somebody's really in trouble, what do you do? You call out to the Lord. That's right. And I'm wondering right now if this is a sign in 2023 that we're going to start seeing more and more trouble come to the land. And what else are we going to do? It is to get down and pray. I want to see more and more people kneeling before the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and petitioning him for answers, petitioning him for a miracle. Because that's what we need in this world. So I'm trying to be positive about my surroundings. I'm trying to be hopeful about my surroundings. I'm trying to see the good in everything, even if it means a bunch of guys who uh, don't know God, don't know church, don't know nothing about the Bible, but at least they'll get down and pray when they see a brother in trouble. I like it. I'm about it. It's a step in the right direction. Hey, 2023, it's going to be an exciting year. God's going to do great things. God bless you. God bless you.